The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Michelle Griffith Robinson is from London and was the first woman in the Commonwealth to jump more than 14 metres. As a triple jumper, she went to the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. She's been a personal trainer too to pop stars like Spice Girl, Mel B. Plus, she's a mentor and ambassador for a number of charities, including Diabetes UK. She's a life coach too. And because it's World Mental Health Day on October the 10th, we're going to be talking a lot about some tactics for looking after yourself. Olympic style. But first, Michelle, hello, and also, happy birthday! Yes! You know what? I said to somebody this morning that I have to be exceptionally grateful today because I've woken up with my three kids, my husband, and still got my mum and dad around to celebrate my birthday. So, in essence, I'm a really lucky, happy young lady today. So, tell me about growing up. Where are you from and uh, how did you get into sport? So um, I'm from Wembley and I was a 12-year-old little girl that went down the track with my mum. And I went down the track, which was Bell Farm Sports Centre in Wembley. It's probably not there anymore, actually, to be honest. Um, and my mum was going to do a keep fit class. Nobody should look after me. And actually, my mum used to be really fit at that age. So my mum was down the track, keeping fit, doing her thing. She was about 39, 40. And... That's where I found my real passion for just doing sport. Um, I was with a different set of people, people from around the, the local area, community, different diversities, different backgrounds. Some had money, some didn't. Some, some um, came from working class backgrounds, some came from parents that were doctors. But the one common thing we had in common was we were all at Bell Farm Sports Centre, Cinder Track. That was it. Um, and that's actually where my journey started from. And, and I wouldn't change any of that journey for, for, for anything because that gave me my roots, gave me my grounding and, and in, in essence made me part of who I am today. I mean, before that moment where you have um, your first time on the track with your mum, you know, did you see a difference in your life once you, once you, you know, maybe it was just it gave you a passion and a focus? What sport has given me and gave me from the age of 12 right through to when I retired 14 years ago, it gave me structure. It gave me routine. It gave me a tribe and um, it gave me a focus. But also on top of that, you know, we will talk about um, the effects it has on your mental health, but it made me feel great about myself. It did, you know, and, and that's irrespective of whether you came last, won, you know, lined up, didn't make a championship. You still had those positive endorphins going around your body and knowing that you're training three, four times a week, there's something to look forward to. And I often say to people as a life coach I am now, you know, what, what's your next goals? What's your next steps? We all need something to look forward to. What, what would you like to do next? So for me, my, my next was, I'm going training tomorrow. I knew exactly where I was in my daily routine. As they reach for the best within themselves, we hope every athlete will feel the power of the dream. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Celine Dion. Deep within each heart, there lies a magic spark. What was it like achieving that goal, becoming an Olympian and stepping out at the opening ceremony at Atlanta 1996? 
imagine going down to your local football field or your local netball court and you've got a group of 20 people there magnify that by a billion The stadium was electric. You know, there was flags flying, the heat was on your back, and actually quite overwhelming at times. You'd look up and you'd think, you'd, you'd be like a, a rabbit in headlights. You're like, oh my gosh. You know, so that you do, and you know, and I was only 14th in the Olympic Games, so you, you know, you do have to then look at people like Jessica Ennis and Denise Lewis, Michael Johnson, Jonathan Edwards, you know, who have won Olympic medals and think, oh my gosh, when the pressure's on, how have they done that? You know, uh, and, you know, it, it's an amazing achievement, you know, and, and to be called an Olympian, and I never really understood what it, back then, 20 years later, what it's to be called an Olympian. And to have those three letters, O-L-Y, behind my name, which they, they endorsed about two, three years ago. So every Olympian has those three letters behind their name. So I'm Michelle Griffith Bromson, O-L-Y. So, you know, and I love that because I dropped out of university. So the fact that I've now got my O-L-Y, I've, I've still got my letters. But deservedly. So yeah, I've got my letters behind my name. To every athlete, we wish good luck. May you fulfil your dreams. So let's talk about that then. Did you find it difficult after the Olympics in 1996? No, I've got to be honest with you. I was at 24 when I went to the Olympic Games. So I was still 24, 25, I can't remember. It's a blur. Um, mid-20s. Um, and I still had so much more to give. So um, it was always then to continue to go to the next Olympics and the next Olympics and the next Olympics. So that drive was still in there. You know, and I still went on to other world championships after that as well and Commonwealth Games. And I retired in 2006 in Melbourne at the Commonwealth Games. And, you know, every championship, of course, it's not the Olympics, but it's still elite level. You know, so you still keep your eye on the prize. Um, and I think it, when you're talking about how do you reset afterwards, I think it's only when you make a decision to retire that then you have to change your paradigms, you have to change things and put things into perspective differently. And, and I've always, you know, I went to a um, more than medals meeting a couple of years ago at Loughborough with some of the, the current uh, Olympians. And I said to them then, you know, one thing I will urge you guys to do is create a career for yourself before you retire from sport. So whether you want to go into TV, whether you want to go into banking, whether you want to do, continue your, it through the law, whatever you want to do, yeah, Try and find your niche whilst you are still at the top of your game. Because otherwise, it then becomes quite overwhelming when everything stops, the phone stops ringing, the centre is at the nucleus isn't about you anymore. Um, and the, you're not getting the same highs that you were getting before. You're not, still, you're not getting the buzzes, the adrenaline rush that you were getting before. You're still training, but you're not training for a purpose like then. So for me, it was easier, the transition. You know, you mentioned that I trained Mel B. You know, transition for me was easy because I set up a personal training company while still competing. So I still got all my magazines. I still got magazines, Olympian, Michelle Griffith trains, Mel B. So I still got into newspapers and articles and started building up a pro profile and a portfolio of me whilst I was still competing. So when I did eventually retire, it wasn't who am I? I knew who I was. It was just about building blocks. More from Michelle in just a minute, but I just wanted to say congratulations to six-time Paralympic champion David Weir for his incredible second-place finish at the London Marathon last weekend. He has won that race eight times, and he was on the podcast a while back and talking very frankly about his mental health. So that's when I decided to, you know, go and see a counsellor that didn't know me, 
I knew I wouldn't be able to talk for the first half an hour because I couldn't, because I knew what the things she was going to talk about. And I just think I bottled things up for years and years and years. And she said, this is just, a, you know, from, from your childhood as well. You've had so many emotions and so many things to deal with in your lifetime, you know, being number one wheelchair racer in the world to winning medals, you know, dealing with your disability when you were younger, relationships, breakdowns, breakdowns with, with you know, your, your kids' mother and stuff like that. It, it's all built up and built up and you, your mind couldn't take it anymore. And this is, this is the end result. This is you on the floor, collapsed, crying, emotionally drained and don't know what to do with your life. Olympic Channel Podcast. Wow. Honestly, go and check that one out. I will put a link in the episode description for that one. All right, back to Michelle. And I asked her about how much being a black female athlete in the 90s affected her mentality. Okay, so if I say to you now, Ed, that you are being um, slightly presumptuous there, um, I didn't, I wasn't affected by it all. I saw myself as a young girl who was in Team GB that so happened to be black. Um, I felt very supported by my teammates, by my coaches, by Team GB. Um, so I didn't feel any way at all. I did feel, though, slightly more exploited because I was a female rather than a black woman. You know, so there was a lot more of that exploitation type undercurrent sexist type comments back then. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see you in a short little, short little shorts and uh, this and this. So there's almost those undertones of, sexual inappropriateness rather than the colour of my skin, if I'm being honest. So these are things that you only, you know, you only look about now and think. Um, and things, again, have moved on significantly because you now got, you know, loads more things that are deemed inappropriate. And some of it, I'm being honest with you, Ed, as well. I don't bat a bloody eyelid to me. I'm just like, whatever. But that's just me again. You know, I'm not one to pick up on da 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 da, da because I, I, I'm, no, I'm no time for negativity. Of course, if somebody's being blatantly, you know, racist or covertly racist, for example, I'll be calling them out back then, as I would do now. You know, but sexism and stuff, you just would just laugh. Oh, it's just got a bit of banter. Whereas now, I know my daughters, who I've got two daughters, 17 and 13, they'd be telling them about themselves. They'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? You disgusting human being. They would call them out. But things have changed, you know. So in terms of did it affect me then in the 90s, not in terms of my colour. But in terms of my who I am as a female, yes, it did. And I think also there is an empowerment at the moment and a lack of shame in being wrong. You know, like I feel all right to talk to people about it in a way that maybe five years ago I didn't, you know? Ed, absolutely. And this is where we talk about when I talk about parity with such, with such passion, you know, all I've ever wanted is parity. And that's black, white, female, male. You just want parity. And sometimes people get it wrong. But how will you know, Ed, as a white man sitting there, what offensive or not offensive, unless you say it and then I correct you? Yeah, and that's equally, you know, it's my job to say to you, Ed, you know what? I didn't like what you said. That made me feel. Yeah. Oh, Misha, I didn't realise that. Thank you for sharing, shedding that light on me. Because you will never know what it feels like. For example, you're not black and you're not female. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. And that's something that we also have to recognise. Throughout, not just in sport, throughout life. You know, I know what you mean. Yeah, totally. Anyway, let's change.
topic slightly and I want to talk about anxiety. Um, did you have much anxiety when you were competing? Anxiety, I didn't have much anxiety. I've got to be honest with you, I wasn't a type of anxious person. Um, I would get exceptionally nervous. Sometimes I would bomb out because it becomes so overwhelmed that you'd be like so heightened for you. You're almost like a, a bunny on caffeine. <laughs> and then in the end, you... You, you don't you underperform because you're not at the you're not at a place where you can perform at a decent level because you're too high or you're too low. So, I, but I wouldn't say it was anxiety. I would say that I, I struggled to find my level. We've equally had put in years and years and years of training for almost an hour worth of competition. And to think that you come down on your first jump and it might be a no jump and the effects it has on your psyche then. And the second round jump, you have a no jump, and then all of a sudden you you can feel yourself crumbling, and you're having you're, then you hear your coach or your teammate shouting out saying, "Come on, Michelle, move it back half a foot. Come on, you got this." And you think, "Oh my gosh, it all." So that's where you get the butterflies in your stomach, the overwhelmingness of "I've got to do this, I've got to do this." The pressure. Sometimes you perform, sometimes you lose. Actually, in some ways, the pandemic in general. The situation at the moment has made me or forced me to kind of reflect on where I've got to. I can't help but feel what we've lost. You know, there's 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 my calendar on my phone, especially over summer. I kept going, get on flights to Tokyo, or you know, like. You know, but again, and I em- I empathise, and like my heart bleeds because if I go back to you know. Let's say 1995, leading up to 1996, my whole goal was to get to 96 Olympic Games. And I would have been absolutely devastated for that to be torn away from me through no fault of my own. However, the question I'd ask those Olympians right now, or those people that hope to become Olympians, what can you do about it? And in essence, you can't do nothing about it. That's out of your control. What's within your control? Control. So what's within your control is to eat well, sleep well, surround yourself with positive people, keep your network as much as you can yeah, to support you through this terrible, horrific time. Let's be frank here. The world doesn't know what's going on. But what you do know is you can eat well, sleep well, you can control what's within your parameters. And everything outside of that, unfortunately, you can't. I think what you, you mentioned sleep there as well. Um, I was looking on the Olympic, Olympic.org has this thing called Athlete365, which has like advice for Olympians, but anyone could go on it, to be honest, and have a look. So I'm always having a route around to see whether there's anything that can help me out. And uh, there was a good thing on sleep from this sleep expert from Loughborough University called Professor Jim Horn. And um, there's some really good practical things in there that he's talking about. But I just wanted to, you know, how much sleep do you normally get? And, and it's, it's hard, right? It's harder than it looks. To... <laughs> a small little thing, a small little snippet that I, that I realised, and I started doing this 2015, which is five years ago now. Um, I started leaving my phone outside my room. Yep. So leaving my phone outside my room, shutting off. At, if I want to get to bed for half 11, my phone is away by half past 10. Yep. And half past 10 to half 11, I'll pick up a book, I'll read, I'll talk to my husband or whatever. But no engagement with, with, with IT, any technical phones, nothing like that. Because that affects your sleep. And because all of our lives are controlled on these gadgets now, it's very easy 
to get in get into oh let me just check that last tweet oh let me just check this last bit let me just do this but actually that's affecting our sleep so it's about being strict with that and recognizing that sleep has a knock-on effect to your everyday life it's probably one of the things that's not talked about enough there's so much research and i've got a really good friend of mine who i've joined business with called vitalize and her name's dr lucy miller she talks a lot about the impact of lack of sleep on your personality and what it can do to you you know so actually it's huge ed you know and i would say to people sleep eat well recharge look after yourself and looking after yourself is not just oh, i'm going to go and get my nails done they're going to get a massage no 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 that's superficial looking after yourself is on a daily consistent basis and sleep is one of those things that's really important so let's i was thinking like let's wake up like an olympian how do i do that well how do i wake up like an olympian wake up like an olympian whose birthday it is on the day so i woke up this morning um every morning i give thanks and i give gratitude so every morning before i put my feet on the floor i say to myself i am grateful for yeah so that's the first thing i do whether that's waking up like an olympian or waking up like michelle that's what i do then after that, I will then say, um, think to myself, right, what have I got planned for the day? I will go downstairs and straight away make my hot water and lemon. Yeah, so I'll either make it or my husband bring it up. Um, so that's, that's then. then. Then I will take my son to school, da, 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 come back home. Then I'll make scrambled eggs and smoked salmon. Uh, and I have a very low carb diet, so mine's is very high protein and a beautiful cup of coffee. That moment then, I also give gratitude to, thank goodness, here I am today. Then I will make sure that I've scheduled in for that day. If it's training, it has to be done. And I do a list of things that are priority and some things that would be good, useful. I almost preview my day. And these are the things that I've learned from becoming an Olympian. What's important to you? Prioritize. You cannot get everything done. And we are stupid to believe that we can yeah you can get things done don't get me wrong but it's at the expense of something else so that's what i mean so let me clarify that for our listeners yeah so i just say right what is important to me today what do i need to achieve today and i will do my very best to achieve that for the day but for me michelle the olympian i need purpose i would say the mentality of an olympian we like to know structure routine what's next Thank you so much for sharing your birthday. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm glad about that. And, you know, if anybody else wants to, you know, just reflect, guys. I say it all the time, and I'm a big advocate of, you know, reflect on the journey you've travelled. And I'm sure you'll find something that will make you smile. And keep going. Keep going. Olympic Channel Podcast. Great to talk to Michelle. You can find her on Instagram as Michelle Griffith Robinson. I'm Eddie Knowles with the Nine and E, and we are Olympic Channel across TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything. Give the podcast a five star rating on the podcast app, please. And if you liked what Michelle was saying, bang a quote in the review. It really does help us out, and it actually means that more people will find out about us. 
It is a massive issue, mental health, and especially at this time. If you are in need of any help at all, then you are not alone. Do reach out. There are some really good resources out there on the World Health Organization website. I've put a link on that in the episode description. And there's some really very practical advice, specifically for athletes at Athlete365. And I've also put a link in for that. Big love to you. Stay safe. Stay stronger together and see you very soon. Think like an Olympian.